welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are joined by Ella Drongle from Catalyst Financial, and we are talking about split banking. Now, look, just before you tune out, because I know we have talked about split banking. Manuel's rolling his eyes as we say this. But we still get so many questions about why you should cheat on your bank, why you should use a split banking strategy, and how it really works. Now, what we've got to cover in this show is something that might surprise some of the listeners of the show, which is that we're going to talk about when you shouldn't split bank as well, or when wouldn't be the most appropriate time. And something that I do want to mention is that we have previously been very militant about split banking on the show, that you should always do it, that there's so many good reasons why you should use multiple banks rather than one. But there are some genuine reasons when you might not do that straight away. And so our previous position, we've been very tough on it or very forthright about promoting it because it was something that we felt people in the past hadn't really talked about in the industry. It wasn't really known and it was becoming more of a trend. Now, we still believe in this strategy and we'll talk about the reasons why. But there are some genuine reasons when you might not, so we're going to discuss those. But Ella, just give us a quick recap for new people who haven't heard this topic before. What is split banking and why do people use this? Split banking, you would use this when an investor is purchasing, let's say, their first investment property. A lot of our clients are purchasing new build properties, which are exempt in New Zealand, and therefore you Exempt from LVR restrictions. Exempt from LVR restrictions, and you can use 20% as a deposit for that. So most of our clients don't have 20% in cash. They are using the equity from their own home and using this to leverage and buy a rental property. So how to explain it really well is that an investor would split bank when they're purchasing a new build. So why that is, is because new builds, you can use a 20% deposit. But the day that property settles, it is no longer deemed a new build. So essentially, you should have 40% deposit. If you had that jointly under the same bank as your owner-occupied home, that bank is going to take an extra 20% from that rental property and secure that against your own property. And that's an issue when you go to buy your next property because now that new build that you just settled on, rather than taking up 20% of your home's equity, it's now taking up 40%. Yeah. So a lot of investors may buy their first one without split banking and there's a few reasons why that may happen. So to split bank, your affordability and your serviceability does have to be a little bit stronger than you know the average Kiwi household. And why that is, is because you're spreading yourselves across two different banks and two different policies, two different test rates as well. So instead of having to jump through the hurdles of one bank, you're actually having to jump through the hurdles of two. So that's one reason why we may not do split banking initially. It's not saying that you're never going to split bank. We may look to refinance you when it comes to that, you know, that second investment property is when we relook at your portfolio and potentially refinance that away so you can purchase that third property. And I know there are some other genuine reasons why somebody might not split bank straight away, might have it with the same bank. You know, what are those sorts of reasons? We've seen a lot of the new ASB back my build. So people are wanting to go 100% with ASB to take advantage of that 1.79% interest rate. So that's probably a common reason if people have a lot of equity and they're just, you know, not too worried about it right now. If they've got a really good relationship with the bank, they might do, but probably don't see a lot of that anymore. People are quite happy to split bank. Why don't you talk to us about when somebody might start with one bank and then move to two later on? Yeah, so say, for example, an investor has enough equity to buy at least their first couple of properties with their bank, even when that first investment property is deemed no longer new. 
So we might set them up with a loan of 100% for the rental property, which in essence is 80-20, 20% reliance on your house, 80% on the new rental property. And then of course the day it settles and the day you go to apply for more lending, it drops to a 60-40 split. But if you've got enough equity to be able to do that and your second property within the time frame that your kind of goals permit, then you might do that, borrow 100% on both, and then structure it so that you move those two loans under the dollar-for-dollar dollar refinance exemption exception where you can take those and park them somewhere else. So let me give you an example. If you buy your first property at 500000 secured by 500k rental property and your owner-occupied property, then you do the same and it's 600000 and that's in a couple of years' time, borrow 600000 again. If those properties now are worth say 700,000 and 800,000 in five years time, you can borrow up to 80% of that new value when you move those loans across, which might leave a little bit with the original bank. But again, it means that you can move more of that mortgage across, freeing up more usable equity against your house. So that's quite a common tactic for people, because if you don't need that equity straight away or that equity split straight away, it means that potentially you're moving more of the loan, more than the 80% of today's value, because you get the benefit of the value increase in the rentals. And another thing just around this, we've done some modelling around, well, if you followed that strategy that Andrew was talking about, and your goal was ultimately to not have any of that investment mortgage secured against your own property, you know, what's the difference in terms of timelines of what that'd take? Now, if you were to split banks straight away, of course, what you need to then do if you want to take that 20% deposit off your own house and have that included within the equity of the investment property, you've got to wait until, first of all, you've got 40% equity in that investment property because that's what you know 60% LVR restriction or 40% deposit requirement for that investment property. You'd have to wait for your house to increase by about 50% before you can move that security from your own house over to against that investment property. That's going to take, at a 5% growth rate, about 11 years for that to happen. But if you wait to split bank, then you don't have to wait till your house has increased 50% and you've got 40% equity in there. You can do it when you've just got that 20% equity plus enough to cover that additional mortgage. In that case, then we're only looking at a five-year period. So it's a difference of six years between the two scenarios. But of course, the thing you've got to think about is, well, over that five years, you know, are you going to get tapped out before that? So if you're tighter on equity, that's where you'd split banks straight away. If you're not as tight on equity, that's where you would potentially wait a little bit before you start split banking. And actually for a lot of the investors that I've worked with, say five years ago, who have got properties that they've bought in a relatively flat market like Christchurch, for example, and then all of a sudden they've had this spike of growth, they're taking advantage of doing that now. So they didn't care when they were doing it. Hey, look, we've got heaps of equity, so we're just going to buy as many rental properties as possible. Now they're picking up, say, five at a time and moving them to another bank. Whereas, you know, if you move one at a time, again, you've got the same issue of the bank looking at that property and saying, well, it's no longer new. So you can only have one essentially at a particular bank. Whereas if you pick up five, a block of five properties, because you've had them all with ASB and now you're moving to Westpac, those five properties at the new values at 80%, you've got the ability to move five loans across. Now, just as we're walking into the studio today, Ella, you'd mentioned that there are a lot of investors asking you questions about the how of split banking. How do you set this up, especially when you're doing a turnkey new build? Do you want to just walk us through this? Because this is really interesting. 
So our investor clients will come to us with a signed sale and purchase agreement for their new build property. Most of these contracts and developments aren't actually due for completion until, let's say, 12 months away. So we set up a facility for 20% of the purchase price, even though only 10% is due now. The reason being is that eventually you will pay that additional 10%. So we set up the facility, you don't pay interest on it, we put it in a revolving credit, you only pay interest on that initial 10% deposit. And the reason we do that is it makes it super easy at the end when the development is completed and it makes it really simple. We've either already got you a loan for 80% at a different bank or we just quickly need to go to a bank and say, hey, look, here's 20% of the purchase price already sorted. Here's the cash. And all we need to do is apply for the 80%. Yeah. And that makes things so much easier because obviously at settlement, you've got a lot to think about. You've got your lawyers to go and see and do the documents. You've got your inspection, the property managers kick in and find the tenant. If you can have one less piece of the puzzle to worry about because it's already done, you've got that 20 percent facility already on place with your bank, call it Westpac at this stage, then it is just as simple as going to B and Z for the remaining 80% because you knew you were always going to need that 20%. You just don't want to draw down on it now because you don't want to pay interest on money that you're not using. So that's why you have something like a revolving credit facility that you're only paying the 10% out of and only paying interest on that. Well, let me ask you this in that case. If we're using a revolving credit in order to set this up, does that mean that the cost of split banking is using a facility where you've got that higher interest rate because it's going to be on a floating interest rate? So what we can do is we can split that 20% into two. So a lot of our clients, we would go 10%, fix that down for one year, 2.25%. The remaining 10% will just sit in a revolving credits and you won't pay interest on that. So no. Oh, so there are two 10% facilities that you then set up in that case. Yeah. Fantastic. So one of the questions that you might be thinking listening along to this is, so are you guys changing your opinion on split banking? Is this maybe something we don't need to do? Andrew, what's your response to this? So no, not at all. It's really, really important, but you don't necessarily have to do it straight away. And it's important because of the LVR restrictions. I guess if you're lucky enough to have a huge amount of equity in your house, you might be quite comfortable putting all of your mortgages for your investment properties with your bank. But I think what history has shown me when I've been in finance is that if you have all your eggs in one basket, the bank controls those eggs. And so if you want to get rid of one of those eggs to make an omelette, where is this analogy I have no idea. Um, then you don't have the freedom to just pick and choose, whereas it's great to make sure that your house is as ring-fenced as possible. doesn't have to be done today because, let's face it, the bank's only going to come after your house if you stop paying your mortgage. So there's not a huge amount of risk. You owe that money and most people are going to pay back that mortgage. But it feels nice to have our property completely unencumbered by investments at some stage. So it's something that as you're nearing retirement, you absolutely want to have that all wrapped up and to have everything separated. But you can use the convenience of having it all with one bank today, so long as you've got a plan to split bank at a later date. And that way you also get the added advantage of being able to move more of that loan across rather than just having 80-20 of today's value, the one that you purchased at. Just to pick up on one other thing, Andrew, split banking can also become really important in the lead up to a change of income, especially if you're considering of getting rid of 
one of those eggs, one of those houses. You know, <laughs> Thanks for making me feel better for that one. That's okay. So that would be the case if one of the partners was about to go on maternity or paternity start a leave. Business. And then start a business. And you were also looking to sell one of those properties at the same time, which could definitely be the case if in starting a business. So those are the times where you definitely need to think about it. But there are some legitimate reasons why you might not. And hopefully this has given not just an update and overview to new listers, but also kind of given that more nuanced view of when you might do this. But of course, it is never in place of getting some more personalized financial advice about the right structures for your specific situation. Because the one thing doing this show and talking to you all is that we know you've all got such varied situations that's not all kind of textbook cases. And I do just want to add, getting that 20% set up rather than the 10% you need is such a good idea. I always used to just do the 10% and worry about it later, but then you still had two applications to do at least once it came time for completion. But having one less thing to worry about just makes it so much easier. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic for Andrew and I, something you want us to speak about, then give us a text. Our number is 5522. Whip out your phone, send us a message. It'd be great to hear from you. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.